So we've entitled the sermon this afternoon, Does It Really Matter? We're going to be looking at sacrifice, we're going to be looking at obedience, and we're going to take uh, our main text out of 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles over there to 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're going to read several verses here out of this story. You may be familiar with the story. This is where Samuel uh, anoints Saul as the first king of Israel, and then God delivers to Saul the first uh, commandment that he has for him. And it is to go and to utterly destroy the Amalekites. So let's go look at 1 Samuel 15. Let's read verses 1 through 3. It says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling ox and sheep, camel and ass. And so this commandment that the Lord delivers to King Saul is to go and to utterly destroy every living person and animal there in Amalek. But let's go to verses 8 and 9. It says, and he, speaking of Saul, took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. And so Saul, in hearing that command to go utterly destroy everything, people and animals instead went. He destroyed all that was bad, all that was not useful, all that could not be taken by them. But instead he kept alive the best of the sheep and the flocks. And he even spared the life of the king of the Amalekites, King Agag. As you can imagine, God was not happy with this disobedience. And so Samuel the prophet is going to speak to Saul. And we look at verses 13 through 15 to see what Samuel says to him. It says, Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Those are the words of King Saul. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Notice what Saul says. He says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel says, then why do I hear sheep? Why do I hear oxen? And he says, oh, well, we spared some of the best so that we could sacrifice it to the Lord. We look at verse 19 through 23. It says, Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Samuel says, No, that's not okay. You disobeyed the voice of the Lord. And Saul responds in verse 20, Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the, Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee. From being king. And at that point, hearing those words, Saul does finally admit, I have transgressed, I've made a mistake. And he begs and pleads, but it's too late. Saul's reign would end with him. And of course, we know the next king of Israel would be David. And Saul would not be able to pass that on to his lineage. 
And so Saul received a great consequence for disobeying the Lord. But I want to focus in this afternoon on verse 22, where Samuel is looking at him and he says, Has the Lord, or hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. So what we want to talk about a few minutes this afternoon is about sacrifice and about obedience. And about ways in which we may be living our life today in which we think we're sacrificing for the Lord. We're doing those things that we should be doing because we're honoring God with it. We're making sacrifice to Him. We're living for Him and doing those things for Him. But I want us to remember the verse 22 that said to obey is better than sacrifice. There may be situations in our life where we find ourselves just like King Saul was. Where we believe that we were doing good. He even came to Samuel and said, I've performed the commandment of the Lord. He thought that he was fine. He thought what he did was okay. And he rationalized it by saying, well, yeah, we kept some of it alive, but we're going to sacrifice it. We did it for God. We're sacrificing for him. Samuel says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And I'm going to look at three areas this afternoon with you that I think we can apply this principle. The first being our lifestyle and our belief system. I want you to consider your lifestyle and your beliefs, the way in which you live in this world. Is there a way to rationalize Living separately and apart from what the Word of God says just because we're doing it maybe with good intentions or we're doing it maybe to honor God. I want to give you some examples. You know, as Christians, as servants of the Lord, we're supposed to walk with character, walk with integrity. Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 says to provide things honest in the sight of all men. That's how we're supposed to live our life. And so if we are truly wanting to seek God and please God, can we reject that? Can we cheat in a business deal? Can we cheat in school? Can we tell lies instead of being honest and say, well, you know, maybe it's a white lie for a greater good. Maybe I'm doing this because ultimately it's going to be better. It's going to protect somebody. I want, I'm doing it for the Lord, really. I'm doing it with good intentions. Can we live that way? Can we live, live a life that's contrary to what God's word says, that's not with integrity and not with character and rationalize it because, well, we're sacrificing for God. We're doing this for God, I don't believe that we can. What about the language that we use? You know, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4 tells us about some ways in which we're supposed to speak and not speak. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Foolish talking, filthiness, jesting, crude jokes, all of those types of things. Can we live for God? And sacrifice for him and show up at church on Sunday and do those things that we think that God wants us to do while not really living the life of obedience? While really allowing filthiness to come out of our mouth? While really laughing and then retelling those crude and dirty jokes? Can we do that? Well, I'm going to church and I'm doing these good things. And I'm writing a check to a charity and I'm helping... So well, I'm doing all that... Well, Saul said that. Well, look at all the things that we're doing. I'm sacrificing for the Lord. But it's better to obey than to sacrifice. What is the Lord more pleased with? What about with issues in our society today? Like homosexuality. You know, there are Christian organizations, there are people that profess Christ that are accepting today of homosexuality and saying that there's nothing wrong with it. You can live a life for God. You can honor God while living that lifestyle and believing that that's appropriate and that that's godly. Is that true? Well, we look at scriptures like Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28... Romans chapter 1, 
There, starting in verse 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. You know, the scriptures are pretty clear about what God expects of us as people when we view sexuality and we view intimacy with another person, that God expects that to be in marriage between one man and one woman today. Can we live a lifestyle or believe that a lifestyle like that is okay and say, well, we're doing it for God, we're still honoring God. It's all about love, God is love. It's all godly, it's all spiritual, it's all good. Or are we rationalizing things just like Saul rationalized things? Is it better to sacrifice to God? Or is it better to obey God? What about the, t- the issue of abortion today in our society? Can we believe that it's okay? That abortion is alright? That it's perfectly acceptable in our society? That we can be God honoring and we can be a spiritual person? And we can believe in God and all those things but believe that that's okay? When scriptures like Jeremiah 1 verse 5 let us know that God knows us before we are even formed in our mother's womb. Are we okay with that? Can we sacrifice to God and believe that we're okay or are we rationalizing like King Saul did? What about living together with someone before we're married? Premarital intimacy. You know, the Bible's 2,000 years old. It's an old book. It doesn't really apply today. That's old school. This is the 21st century. I mean, come on. It stands to reason we can still be good godly people. We can go to church. We can honor the Lord. We're sacrificing to Him. Is it better to sacrifice or is it better to obey? Can we really justify and rationalize things that are contrary to God's word just because we're doing some things for God and honoring God in other ways? We know scriptures like 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 2 tells us nevertheless to avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. But that's God's standard. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. What about the way that you treat your spouse in your marriage? Can we be God-honoring people? Can we live a life of sacrifice to God and say, we're living for Him, we're going to church, we're doing all these good things, but not love our spouse, treat our spouse as a doormat at home, be disrespectful to our spouse? What does Ephesians 5 verse 33 say? It says that wives are to be respectful or reverence toward their husbands or show reverence toward their husbands, and husbands are to love their wives. And the comparison between a man and a woman in marriage is Christ and the church. Can we sacrifice to God and rationalize and be God-honoring and feel okay about ourselves just because we go to church, we do some good things when we're not treating our spouse the way that God's asked us to? And we could continue going with this list, but I hope that in your own mind you've thought of other things that we rationalize sometimes. And I want to ask you this afternoon not to rationalize that. Don't do what Saul did. Don't say, I've performed the commandment of the Lord, when he obviously didn't. Don't proclaim yourself righteous and holy before God and you're living that life of sacrifice for Him when you're living contrary to what He said. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. We can look at the Apostle Paul as as an example of this in Acts chapter 22 and verse 3 as Paul is giving his defense before people. Guess what he tells them? He says, back in the day when I was persecuting the church, when I was killing Christians, he says, I was zealous toward God as you all are this day. Paul said, I was doing that with a good conscience. I was killing people with a good conscience because I believed that it was right in the sight of God. I was honoring God with that. I was living a life of sacrifice toward God with that. Was he right? Did that make it right? 
It's better to obey than to sacrifice. Paul realized that on the road to Damascus. And Paul became a great apostle and established churches and helped the church grow. Because eventually he realized he needed to obey. Not just live a life of sacrifice to God that was based on his own beliefs. And so I want to encourage you as you think about your lifestyle and your belief system this afternoon. Conform your lifestyle and your belief system to what God has told us in his word. To what he has shared with us about what he wants our lifestyle and belief system to be. Don't base it on your own want to's. Don't base it, base it on your own family history or what you were taught or how you were raised or any of those things. Because you can honor God in a lot of ways and still be wrong and still be disobedient. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. The second thing that I want to mention to you this afternoon related to this story in 1 Samuel 15 is about the church and what church you attend. Does it really matter what church you go to? You may be here this afternoon and you may... ...have gone or you may currently go to something that has... ...to a church that has Baptist on the sign... ...or Lutheran on the sign... ...or Methodist on the sign... ...or Catholic on the sign. You may go to a church that has Church of Christ on the sign. I realize in one sense... ...I believe it does matter what's on the sign. But in the sense that I'm going to talk for, for just a moment... ...I want you to recognize what I'm saying. It really doesn't matter what's on the sign... What matters is, is the church doing what God has asked the church to do. Is it a church that's practicing the things that Jesus our Lord has commanded the church to practice? It could have whatever name on the sign that it wants, but if it's not doing what's right inside, if the church isn't operating the way that it should be, it may be sacrificing to God. It may be honoring God in a lot of ways. But it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Is the church that you're attending or going to, is it a church that's obedient to the word of God? Or a church that's choosing to honor and sacrifice to him in ways that are contrary to his will. First of all, I'd like to ask you, are you going to church regularly and currently? And Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 encourages us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And we need to recognize the importance of being at church and going to church. And people who go to church because they are seeking God regardless of the church that they go to, it is a positive, it is a good thing that they are seeking God. It is a good thing that you are seeking God, regardless of the church that you go to. But it's better that you obey. And so I want each of you to evaluate the congregation, the church that you're a part of, and see, is this church that I'm going to, does it line up with what the scriptures say? Does it line up with the church that Jesus Christ established? You know, the church that Jesus Christ established has elders that oversee the spiritual goings-on of the congregation and deacons that are the servants of the church and oversee serving the members. We can look at passages like Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 that tells us that he, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, edifying of the body of Christ. A church... That you're going to ought to have elders that oversee things spiritually. It ought to have deacons that are serving. It ought to have multiple teachers because that's what we see in the church that Jesus established. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. The church at Antioch had multiple teachers there in that same congregation. And Acts 13 and 1 says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen which had been brought up with with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And in this one verse, it tells us of at least five teachers that existed there at that congregation in Antioch. So I ask you another indicator that you can look at for your church. Are there multiple men that are qualified, that get up and that do the teaching in the pulpit? Or is it simply one person? 
Because I would encourage you to recognize that the example we see from the Lord's church in the scripture is that there are multiple men that are teachers there. What about instruments? Are you in a congregation that uses instruments in a part of worship? I believe that I can play guitar and honor God by playing guitar. I believe I can play a piano and honor God by playing a piano. But it's better to obey than to sacrifice. So what does the word of God say about whether or not we should have instruments in our worship service? Well, as we look in the New Testament, which is our guidebook for the New Testament church, what we see lacking is any instruction, command, or example given of the church using instruments. In fact, what we see is commands to sing. Places like Colossians 3 verse 16 and Ephesians 5 and verse 19. And there in Ephesians 5 and verse 19 tells us that we are to sing and to make melody in our heart to the Lord. You know that phrase there, make melody, means to play or to pluck as if on a stringed instrument. But you see that verse is not telling us to actually use instruments. What does it say? To make melody with what? With our heart. Our heart, see, is the instrument that's supposed to back up our singing. And what we saw for hundreds of years after Jesus established the church was the churches not using instruments, but using their voices to sing. It wasn't until the 600s that a pope introduced the organ into the church for the first time. And it still didn't catch on for many hundred years after that. And so just because there are churches today that have pianos or organs or drums or guitars or any of those things, and it doesn't mean that you can't play guitar and honor God. It doesn't mean that you can't play piano and honor God with it. What it does mean, still, same thing that was true in 1 Samuel 15 that's true today, is it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And if God's word and the establishment of Jesus' church says we are to sing, then brothers and sisters, we need to be a part of a church that sings. And that doesn't do things that are contrary to the will of God. What about men leading, taking leadership in the assembly, the public assembly of the church? You know, in our, in our world today, there are a lot of Christian churches that have both men and women that fill pulpits that have both men and women that lead songs and that lead prayers and that lead around the communion table. And while I believe there are plenty of good-hearted, sincere men and women who are trying to do that because they're seeking to sacrifice to God, to honor God, to do good things in the sight of God, we've got to keep in mind the principle that it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And what do we see in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14? We look at 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35... It says, let the women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Paul's not a woman hater. Jesus isn't a woman hater. But he's asked men to take the leadership roles in the public worship assembly at the church that you're going to currently. Is that the case? Is that church operating the way Jesus established it? Or are they trying to sacrifice and honor to God in ways that God didn't authorize? That Jesus didn't authorize? You may believe I'm doing this to honor God. So did Saul. But Saul was still wrong. And I want you to remember that it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Are you a part of a Bible-based church? A church that really and truly places this as the first priority in all the decision-making that goes on in the congregation. That has leaders that look here first as they make decisions to lead the congregation. And members that respect this above any other words of people. Is that the church that you're a part of? Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, according as, at, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things 
that pertain unto life and godliness. We have been given everything that we need, brothers and sisters, and it's found here. It's found nowhere else. I could come up with a million ways that I would think it's a good idea to sacrifice to God to honor God. You know what you need to do if I say in our public worship assembly we should start doing this, this, and this, and this to honor God, and it's contrary to what this says? You know what you should do? You should say, no, that's a bad idea because it's not here. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10, 1 and 2, I think is a good example of this. You remember that story there where Nadab and Abihu, they were the sons of Aaron. They were priests, and they went to the tabernacle to worship, to lead worship. But they used a strange fire which the Lord had not commanded them. They used the wrong flame, the wrong fire. They got the fire from the wrong source. And even though their intentions may have been good, even though they were worshiping God, I mean, what's wrong with worshiping God? They valued sacrifice over obedience. They did something they believed was okay, but they didn't make sure that it was in obedience to God first. Do you know what happened to Nadab and Abihu? God struck them dead on the spot. God struck them dead. Because they valued sacrifice over obedience. What kind of church are you attending today? What is your church value? Is it a church that is based on the scriptures that Jesus has given us and the, the outline that he has established? The third thing that I want to mention to you this afternoon is related to your salvation. Does it really matter? As long as we are good, moral people, as long as we perhaps believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, does it really matter? Whether we've been baptized or not, does, it, does any of the rest of that really matter? Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, I remind you, talks about our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags before the Lord. And yet some people want to rely on the fact that I'm a good person, I do good things, I generally make good decisions, I treat my spouse good, I treat my kids good, I don't use that much foul language. I don't watch that many bad TV shows or movies. I mean, I'm a generally good person. And yet Isaiah says, you know, the best that we can do is not anywhere close to being good enough for God. All of us are lost without Jesus. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your good works. That won't be enough. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Some would say, well, as long as I believe, right? I believe in Jesus Christ. Maybe I've said a prayer and asked him to come into my heart, asked him to save me. James chapter 2 and verse 19. I remember, remind you of what that passage talks about there. You believe that there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. If belief saves us, then the Satan and all of his devils will be in heaven with us one day. And we know from Scripture that's not the case. Belief, brothers and sisters, isn't enough. Belief in Jesus Christ is important, but you can't rely on that and say, well, I believe in him. I have faith in him. Are you obeying what he's asked you to do? Maybe you're here and you've been baptized, but it was a baptism that occurred after that prayer of salvation or after your belief and your commitment to Christ. Maybe it was done as an outward show of an inward faith that already existed. Well, there's a couple of instructions in Scripture that I'd like to look at with you. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 as it relates to baptism, this is what Jesus had to say. Matthew 28 and verse 19. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Think back to your baptism. When you were baptized into Christ, were you baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? Because Jesus said that you be baptized 
in those three names. What about Acts 2.38? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, as Peter is standing there before the thousands at Pentecost and he's preaching that first gospel sermon, and they ask, what do we need to do? Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of of sins. Think back to that day that you were baptized. Were you baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? And were you baptized for the remission of your sins, the remission of the forgiveness of those sins? Or were you baptized for some other reason? Were you baptized to become a member of that particular congregation? To place your membership there? Or baptized to confirm the salvation that had already taken place in your heart? You may feel good about that. You may think that was a good thing that I did. I committed myself to the Lord. I said in my heart that I'm going to turn from my sinful ways and I'm going to serve Him. You may be sacrificing. You may have done that years ago. And ever since, you may have been sacrificing and honoring God in every way that you thought was good. But have you been obedient to Him? Because at the end of this story, whether it's with our lifestyle and our belief system, whether it's with the church, what church we choose to attend, or it's with our salvation, the principle in 1 Samuel 15 is still true today. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. And I would submit to you that when it comes to our salvation, the scripture is pretty clear about what Jesus wants us to do. In John 8 and verse 24, Jesus said, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Jesus himself said it is important for us to believe that he is the son of God. Jesus said in Luke 13 and verse 3, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus said it's important that we turn from that life of sin and that we begin to serve him. To turn to righteousness and away from sin. In Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever therefore shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said we have to believe in him. Jesus said we have to repent of our sins. Jesus said we have to be willing to confess him before people. And Jesus said in Mark 16 and 15 and 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. You may feel very good about where you're at. You may even feel like you're doing... If, if you believe that you have to be baptized for salvation now, that maybe you're, you're going contrary to what your parents taught and what your parents did or what the rest of your family's doing. And that's a hard decision to make, to feel like you're doing something different. And maybe it doesn't really matter. Maybe as long as your heart is right and you're sincere in it and you're sacrificing and you're honoring God, maybe that's really what's important. Maybe at the end of the day, the obedient stuff, ah, that's secondary to the sacrifice. As long as my heart is right. And I want to tell you, it's real easy to justify wrong. It's easy to justify disobedience. It's easy to justify rebellion, which is exactly what Samuel told Saul he was doing, was rebelling against God. Because he was honoring sacrifice more than obedience. And I want to encourage you this afternoon not to do that. Don't honor sacrifice more than obedience. Is it good to live your life in honor of God? To sacrifice to Him? To live for Him? To do things for Him? Absolutely. We should be doing that, but we should never make that a priority and a precedence over this. All of the sacrifice that we make to Him should be based upon our obedience to Him and His Word. Not the other way around. Saul had it wrong. What Saul did in verse 13 tells us that Saul believed that he was right, even though the Lord said he wasn't. 
In verse 15, we find out that Saul trusted in his good intentions. Well, he was going to sacrifice to the Lord, so that made it okay. Verse 20 tells us that Saul rationalized his disobedience, right? We're going to sacrifice. It's okay. He rationalized it and justified it. Verse 21, Saul blamed his sin on others. Did you catch that in our reading? That before in the earlier verses it talks about Saul and the people sparing the life of Agag and the sheep. But then in verse 21, Saul very clearly says, the people kept them alive to sacrifice to you. He began to blame other people for his sins. And then in verse 22, we realize that he prioritized sacrifice over obedience. What I want you to know this afternoon from that story, brothers and sisters, is that we can honor God. We can sacrifice to him every day. We can come up with a million great things to do with a good and sincere heart. But if we're not obeying him, we're still wrong. We're still wrong. And it does not matter if the stack of good things that you do in your life massively outweighs the stack of bad things. And it does not matter if you have committed in your heart to believe in Jesus Christ and to follow him. It does not matter if you've said a prayer that you've put your faith in that prayer that that's what saved you. It really does not matter. What matters is whether or not we've been obedient to the word of God. And then as obedient children, we sacrifice. We honor God. And we live for him with everything that we have. Don't make the mistake that Saul made. Don't prioritize sacrifice over obedience. Our last scripture of the afternoon will be Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23. Where Jesus here, what we would call the Sermon on the Mount. He says this. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know the scariest part of that verse to me, of those verses, the scariest part there is that Jesus is not talking about unbelievers. Jesus is talking about believers. He's talking about people that served him. He's talking about people that did many wonderful works in his name, that honored him, that lived lives of sacrifice for him, that cast out devils, that did all of these great things, that even called him Lord. And he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know why? You know why Jesus tells us that even believers on that day will be rejected and not allowed entrance into the great reward that is heaven? Because they did not do the will of the Father. Our actions are so much more important than our intentions. We can have all the right intentions in the world and still be wrong. What Jesus wants from us is obedience. Is obedience and then sacrifice, not the other way around.